welcome to the Deerland Podcast. It's episode number six. Actually, it's not. It's episode number seven. I was seeing if you guys are paying attention. Yep. Tyler gave me that look. <laughs> We're at the HQ of the Deerland Podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Boley. We've got uh, the other two main men of this program sitting here with me. We got Louie Zinn. How are we doing, Lou? I'm doing well. And Tyler Sellins. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing well. Good, good. All right. So, guess what? It's not November. No, sweet December. Sweet December. Dear December. Dear December. There you go. I like that one. Uh, Let's trademark that. We are uh, six days into the month of December already. And uh, a long ways to go before we get another November. So hope hopefully all you guys enjoyed it, took the, the most of it. Um, but there's still plenty of season left. Uh, about um, just under six weeks, I guess, you know. 45 uh, days or something so. like that. And, 40 uh, days. So don't give up quite yet if you've got food in particular. But even if you don't, you know, you just never know. You can't kill them from the couch. So um, – it will be the end of the season in no time, unfortunately. And then uh, it'll be the off season and time to uh, get on some squirrel land and do a little squirrel hunting and then uh, chase the long beard shortly thereafter. So but There is no off season, Mike, in this, yeah. in this deer, you know, deer and, season that we do. And that is, that is definitely, you know, uh, an understatement, I would say. Um, I am now bucked out. Uh, no more – no more antler deer in Illinois for me in 2018. Uh, so now my season has not totally ended. I do plan on going out this weekend for our muzzleloader season and taking my three-year-old son out for his first ever hunt of any kind. Um, but uh, as far as chasing uh, mature whitetails, that is over. And you are bucked out. You've been talking. Out. I've never heard that term either until you know we got to doing this podcast. I didn't kept- know people actually did that. Yeah, <laughs> I've never bucked out. <laughs> I, I, I've never I, heard. I of mean, it. I've heard of it, but I've never actually met anybody that's ever actually done that. Instead of tagging out, it's bucked out. Yep. I like it. Bucked out. So I'm not tagged out. I still got three tags left, um, but I, I am, I am bucked out. Well, I took, um, uh, I took some time today and listened to that podcast. Rumor has it it was close to two hours, uh, episode six. Yeah, it was a little breezy that night. I remember it was cold, <laughs> br- cold and breezy. Cold and breezy. It was good. It was good conversation. It was. I think there was uh, a lot of a lot of information to be had, and uh, we're hoping that all you guys made it through the entire episode. So, but what? But I was leading into. Okay, there was that it was a segue. The, this is a segue. There was a uh, a buck that we were talking about during that episode, and I even said, "Mike, what are you waiting for? Why don't you kill that sucker?" And, and and Mr. Zen did say that. And uh, Mr. Sellens is tired of talking about this deer, hearing of this deer. It's been the saga discussing all this deer. year long. So, as I, as I said, I am bucked out. My season of chasing mature whitetails is over. Unfortunately, I believe that my season of chasing mature whitetails was over November 3rd when I shot my first buck. Uh, however, uh, the mule deer buck did uh, take his last step on uh, the Friday evening of our second gun season. Um, you know, this was a deer that I had uh, put at the top of my list and hunted him hard, had uh, three encounters with him from the field, uh, two close encounters with a bow uh, in range, uh, just didn't make it happen. Had a good pattern on the deer. 
plenty of daylight pictures, uh, had a good idea of where he was coming and going and bedding and feeding and, and all of that. I really felt like he was an animal that I could uh, get my tag wrapped around before the end of the season. So, you know, last episode we talked about our trail cameras, and it's it's no uh, little-known fact that I do run, you know, a lot of trail cameras on a small piece of property. You, you said a little bit ago it was 12 cameras on 15 acres. You know, it, it literally probably was because I didn't go to a whole lot of the farm this year to put cameras. I mean, I stayed out of a lot of different areas, and, you know, there probably was about 12 cameras, 11 cameras this year on probably a 15-acre piece, um, even though – the, the piece that I own is 35, and I have uh, access to the 44 next to me, but I, I concentrated my cameras in one area that was little access or little intrusion to get, you know, get them checked um, that I felt that the deer were going to be passing by these locations you know, if they were around. I'd hate to be a trespasser on Bully Farms. <laughs> no, you know, and it, I, I had that issue early on with a, with a trespasser during – uh, turkey season and so that reminded me that it can happen doesn't matter if uh, you're the local cop and everybody knows it they're still going to go hunting if they want to so uh, cameras can't help on that um, luckily knock on wood I haven't had any uh, stolen uh, unlike you know Louis's uh, misfortunes down here but uh, so anyways you know one of the things that I really start doing is trying to you know save pictures and um, keep pictures from year to year, and then try to follow the progression as a buck makes as he gets, you know, a, a little bit older. And 2015 is when I really started it. I bought the farm in 14, but I really, really didn't know what I was doing that year. I mean, I, I wasn't even bow hunting at that point, just gun hunting, uh, just had a couple cameras. Um, but 2015, I really started to take it a little bit more serious. And then when I shot that first, you know, that 150 that year, then I was really, you know, motivated. So I've got a ton of pictures starting in 2015. So this this deer, this mule deer, mule buck deer, muley, whatever you want to call him, we uh, we had him in 2015, or I had him in 2015, so I thought, in front of my stand at six yards one November afternoon. It was like November 12th, and I didn't, it was the first time I'd ever seen him, and he'd actually shown up on the farm the night before on camera on November 11th, and I, I let him go. I'd let him walk. He was a two-year-old. And then the next year, you know, here's this deer. Surely, clearly, it's him. You know, it was a three-year-old, real spindly, beams almost touch, um, all over the place, through velvet, throughout throughout the season. Had him as a three-year-old that year. Uh, never seen him. Uh, he was a real dominant buck. Um, always ended up busted up. And then uh, 2017, as a four-year-old, July 11th, he shows up. First picture I had, I mean, he, was, he was full, you know, full velvet, full grown rack. All the way through like July 30th, nonstop, all over the place in velvet. And then he just disappears. And uh, no other pictures of him in 2017 except for October 21st. He come through uh, one evening and walked by one camera. And, again, he was busted up. He, his big split on his left side, left G2, was already gone. Um, and then that was the only hard horn picture I'd had of him. So then we come to this year, first camera pull I do. And here's a, a picture from the back of this deer. And he looks like a mule deer, you know, kind of spindly, long, had a big deep split on his right G2, um, just a really cool looking deer. And he was with uh, the biggest deer on the farm uh, that evening, and he had just shed his velvet. He was shedding it, you know, was dropping. And so I'm excited. It's like August 28th or something like that, I think, is when the, mm -hmm. the picture was taken, or September 28th, I'm sorry. 
So, I hope it's for September 28th. Probably August. 20th. August 28th. Yeah, they're, August 28th. they're shedding around. Yes, then. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. In sorry. August 1st, September. August 28th. Yep. So, I see this deer, and you know, I, I didn't get a good look at him, but just looked like a cool deer. So I kind of put him in the back of my mind, and then as time goes on through September and checking cameras, and he's he's pretty regular. And I got thinking, man, that looks like this deer that never had a name until episode three or whatever it was when we were down in Missouri and we come up with the, the mule deer buck. But I always referred to him as the deer that I passed as a two-year-old. And That's quite real creative. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not near as creative like, like it is here on North Breck. I just can't come up with that stuff. So, um, so I, uh, I'm like, it looks just like that deer. Spindly, tall, narrow, um, a split on his left side. Uh, the brow tines were identical. I mean, just the right brow tine was not big, but it was longer. The left brow tine was really small. Um, so many characteristics of this deer matched up that it has to be the same deer. So I added up. I'm like, huh, he's a five-year-old this year. You know, and, and when you look at him, he's not your typical Midwestern five-year-old whitetail. But I also realized that not all five-year-old deer are going to have 160-inch racks or, you know, I mean, the, the genetics are just different on, on everybody. So I kind of just had it set in my mind that I wanted to go after this deer because I had passed him at two. And um, and then, you know, especially after I shot that uh, that 160, I had several pictures of these two deer in 2015 on camera, you know, sparring. I mean, wouldn't that just be cool to end the story on both of these deer in the same season? And uh, so that's what I had set my goals out to do. Well, you know, I had a couple encounters with him, couldn't make it happen. That just, you know, lit that fire even hotter. And then uh, we come to second season and get out there. And Thursday night I'm out. And uh, it was actually it was Thursday morning. Had a, had a couple does out in the beans and some young bucks chasing them around. I thought, well, you know what? I think one of these uh, one of these deer must be getting awfully close to, to coming in. And uh, these young bucks just kept dogging this poor doe around all over the bean plot. And it's like 9 o'clock. And then a couple of these bucks did a little sparring, went at it for a little while, and then uh, out of the timber between me and them comes this nice eight-pointer. And I'm sure it's the deer that I'd seen a couple nights before that while bow hunting. Just a, a pretty typical eight. Uh, it had a split on one G2. Good mass, good width. Not overly tall, but just a good solid deer. And I had him dead to rights Thursday Thursday morning. And uh, I sent a picture out, you know, asking if it was a shooter. Tyler calls me off of him. I didn't call you off. <laughs> and uh, You called yourself off of it already. I, I was I was looking for some some motivation to go ahead and you, you know you were take looking this for deer. somebody else to say yeah let it go Mike no I I was hoping somebody hey, would say you, you need run, to shoot that run, deer you want somebody else to say shoot it and that was just that's what I wanted and I just was I didn't the hammer get it. cocked and the finger was on the trigger well it the the gun was on the rest and you know it was well, it just it st- stays there in that monstrous thing <laughs> no it doesn't it's too big but uh, so anyways anyhow the the deer comes out and I end up passing on him. And because in the back of my mind, I had this mule deer buck on my mind, even though I hadn't seen him in 15 days or something like that. Uh, November 14th is when Tyler and I seen him from the stand uh, that morning. And I was hunting in the blind that night or during gun season, the same blind Tyler was in when we seen this uh, mule, mule deer buck. And you were convinced he was dead. 
after first gun season. You know, I I, I didn't in your wonder. mind just because of all the shooting that was going on. You had to wonder, and I knew he had been daylight. However, I knew he was also kind of a homebody as well. Um, and I knew that the neighbors, the immediate neighbors, we had checked with them, and nobody had had killed him nor even seen him. Um, so I knew there was a chance. So I I just took this gamble, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. But I was hunting this deer. That's what I had my heart set on. Um, I felt like it was a chess match between the two of us. And, you know, when you own a small track, you're not going to get the opportunity to go after a particular deer and feel like you have a good chance at, you know, catching up with him. So I think I was just capitalizing on that opportunity. So needless to say, I let that deer go. And then uh, I get out uh, Friday morning. And I'll tell you, Friday was just slow. Uh, Thursday was really good. That that eight-pointer on Thursday ended up running that hot dough off. Never seen either one of them again that day. And then Thursday night was kind of slow. Friday morning was really slow. And so Friday afternoon comes around. And again, not extremely high expectations. Um, But I still got out there. And it gets towards the end of the evening. And I remember there was 20 minutes of legal light left. And all of the deer had been coming out uh, in one particular direction. And so I decide I'm throwing all my eggs in that basket. I went ahead and opened up the bank's blind window that faced that direction, which was, you know, towards the biggest part of the field that I was on. Got the rest up, got the gun up, got everything settled in, and I was ready. So as soon as I do that, I realize, you know what? Most of the bucks in this mule deer buck in particular had been coming out what would be right behind me at this point at 50 yards. So I need to make sure I'm keeping an eye on that. So as soon as I get my gun and everything ready, I just look out the window behind me and there's a you know basket rack standing there staring at me. He must have seen me, you know, all the movement, getting everything set up. And he stood there as a statue for several minutes and then all of a sudden I looked back and he was gone. So the deer filing out into that back food plot that back bean plot at 150 yards away and that's what i'm watching i'm waiting on you know something to come out where i have all this this room to shoot and then i just decided well i need to check this window over my shoulder so i turn around and there's two year and a half old bucks eating the beans right behind me i thought oh no so i kind of turn a little bit pull the binoculars up see some movement coming out of the timber seen antlers thought oh you know it looks like a, a decent set of antlers coming out so then I, I go and I turn around and I start to focus that way. And uh, I get the, the binoculars on the deer and I'm watching him and he's kind of scraping around, you know, on a, on a tree a little bit and then just uh, eating some of the beans. And I realize it's just, a, you know, an average three-year-old eight-pointer, you know, nothing special. And I thought, well, uh, that's not what I thought I seen coming through the, through the timber there. You know, I seen tall, you know, tall tines and that wasn't it. I know it wasn't, but this is the deer that's here right now. So I put the binoculars down and then all of a sudden I just, I catch a little bit of movement behind him and realize there's another deer standing there. So get the binoculars back up and look and I'll be darned if it wasn't a mule deer buck standing there behind him. So at that point, you know, things start to speed up a little bit. You know, I'm thinking, all right, this may actually happen. So, heart's, heart's probably thumping it a little is, bit. It yeah. is. You know, the, the heart thumps a little bit. And, you know, now I'm thinking, all right, I've already thrown my eggs into the basket of this back window. Now I've got to move the rest, move the gun, turn around, get another window open uh, to where these deer are, you know, 40 yards from me. So I do. I get one window open, go to look. I'm like, man, that's not going to be the right window because they're going to have to come out too far. So then I had to open another window, 
get the gun and everything set up. And somehow I had a great wind. The wind was blowing from them to me. Um, but they didn't even have a clue that I was there, not even suspicious of anything, just feeding along. So I get the gun and everything set up, and I get on the mule deer buck, and he's behind some thicker some thicker cover. Uh, it's a little bit of a like a, a cove that goes back in there, and uh, he was just kind of around the, the point of the, the little, timber. A little nook and cranny? Yeah, a little nook and cranny you'd call it. And when we planted those beans back there, I mean, it really goes down to like – two rows i mean it really comes to a, a a true point point back there but i still planted him and that's where he was was kind of eating back in the back so i look at the clock and thought oh man you know it's we're losing light and i don't know how long this is going to take but i'm going to get settled in and just you know wait for the right shot so i did and he would eaten he was eating there was a three inch diameter tree between him and i and uh i was waiting on him to clear that and it's unbelievable how still a deer can be when you need them to move. I mean, you know, it seems like they can stay in one spot and feed forever and not even have to move their legs. Um, I needed him to take two steps. And so then he goes and goes from broadside to turning and looking straight at me. And, you know, and then you start getting a little more and more nervous, you know, that I'm so close after all of this that's happened. And, you know, I'm going to be this close and not be able to, to close the deal. And then I'll be danged if right at the last second he didn't just take a couple more steps, cleared that tree, stood broadside, and uh, I settled in on him and and let the let her rip. He mule kicked. Um, you know he looked like Red Rock in the movie Eight Seconds. That's the first thing that come to my mind when I seen him kick like that. And he come down. He didn't run. The other deer ran off, and he made a half circle and just took a few steps and just stood there trying to figure out you know what was going on. Obviously. Where he was standing, it was too thick. I couldn't get a follow-up shot. And then all of a sudden, he turned around and went back to the way he had come out of the timber. was going to take the same trail back into it. So when he got to the timber edge, I had another shot on him. So I took another shot, and he went inside the timber. So I waited an hour and 15 minutes or so before I got down out of the blind, went and looked for blood. Uh, it's snow on the ground, so I'm expecting paint can, you know. Mm-hmm. just It's what you think with a gun. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And mm-hmm. so then I start getting a little bit worried. So I'm trying to I'm trying to look, but I I, I wasn't even going to check for blood. Tyler had said just go back and wait, but I just couldn't. I couldn't go back to the house for three or four hours and sit and do nothing. I wanted to at least see some sign. So I found the blood, and I, I found a little bit where he was standing after the first shot, and then just a few specks here and there. I walked up to the edge of the timber, shined the light in just to see if I could see eyes or anything, and and there was nothing there. So I uh, went back home and waited and we gave the deer about four hours over four hours i think it was about nine thirty time we actually got back out into the woods um shot him just after five o'clock so um about four and a half hours and uh, we went back out and looked and um tyler and uh andy whitaker and i and uh we went looking for blood and we found uh just a few specks and uh it was minimal minimal i mean just andy just happened to see something and he wasn't even positive it was blood it was questionable if it was blood yeah. i mean it wasn't like oh that's blood you're kind of like well that that could be blood but I, I mean it was nothing that you just it wasn't like you're just walking in the woods following a deer that's just just a slight discoloration yeah. And uh, so, and I thought, and it was at the spot that I thought he had walked into next to this evergreen tree. But, you know, I'll be honest, in the heat of all of that happening, 
you know, I thought that's what my mind told me. That's where he walked in, but there was a couple other trails nearby, and, you know, he very well could have walked in one of those others. But uh, so we, we dipped into the timber there, and it's just a real thick, uh, probably 15 or 20-yard uh, wide stretch of timber that is separate between uh, the power line clear cut and my field. And uh, we get inside and we find a bed, what, maybe 10 feet inside the timber or so? Oh, it, it was it was 10 yards. 10 yards? 10, 15 yards inside the timber. And there was a bed, and literally there was, I mean, little to no blood in it. You could see just like a little bit of the snow as you could tell it, it looked had blood watered on down it. almost. You could tell there was blood there, but it was a very, very small amount of blood. I mean, it was it was concerning enough. You looked at it, you're like, eh, that's that's not good. And but you could see when he when he apparently got back up, uh, he had dug a bunch of mud up. I mean, there was still snow in there, but you could tell that he had problems getting back up from the bed. And I did notice when he was walking into the timber that he was uh, not using his front left leg, which is the the shoulder that I had aimed at. So uh, we continue on. We're trying to look around, and then all of a sudden, uh, Tyler shined his light, and and you could see him probably 25 yards or so from where we were standing there, just laying there, and had his back to us, um, hadn't made it far. Uh, And I think, what did we find, another three beds or three or four beds um, in that short span? There was probably – I think there was one more more bed between the first one and where he was laying – and, and then, then was, where he was laying, there was another one right next right. to it. So he just I mean, he didn't go didn't go anywhere. He was laying right there when you walked by the edge of the field. You just couldn't see yep, him laying in there. Yep. And he, I mean, I don't know if he was dead at that point or not, but I mean, because we gave him several more hours, so we went back in there. But yeah. So uh, so then we walk up to him, and you know, um, obviously, you know, realized that the the rack was small. Um, I had when I had seen him on November third. That was one of the things I said: is man, that rack is small. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had we had guessed he was probably 135 to 145, you know, just depending on what kind of angle the trail camera had. And uh, ultimately, he ended up being 137 and some change. But I went to, to go get the buggy and drive it. To, oh, I actually had to go get a knife. We didn't want to jinx ourselves and, and bring a <laughs> knife. So, you know, we, we literally – Superstitious. Yeah, we literally thought this might be uh, an ordeal. And honestly, we would have waited until morning – but there was a major rainstorm coming. I mean, they were talking it could rain for 17 straight hours. Mm-hmm. So we thought we at least needed, and I at least wanted to get inside that timber because I knew I had shot a second time and see if, you know, maybe that had changed matters any um, and then go from there. But so we got lucky. So I went back and got the, got the knife, brought the buggy back, and Andy and Tyler had drugged the deer out to the edge of the field. It wasn't far. And uh, they had a little bit of concern when I got back. That this was way too to, easy. I, I didn't have to do any help dragging that deer by any means. <laughs> yeah, it, what you were trying to get away from some brush or something. Andy brush, was dragging I let it go, and, and Andy just I mean, he practically takes off running to the edge of the field with the deer. Thought, huh? Well, uh oh. So I get down and get looking at him, and um, and sure enough, you know his his bases are pretty small. Um, I got down behind him, you know, to to do some gripping and grinning, and it, it wasn't the rack. That was that was really be- was it surprising be- because all this time, Mike, you've had all of the, you you've had pictures from 2015, 16, 17, going to eighteen, thinking this is the same deer. It's got to be a five year old deer, and you've you've convinced the rest of us, and we've not really questioned you. You're, I mean, you've kind of gave it to us. Here it is, and 
I give you heck sometimes because the pictures you send us, you send us the rack and that's it. And, right. But but it was one of those things where it was like you, we and, and Andy and I talked about that while you were gone. We both kind of looked at each other, kind of like, man, is that a five year old deer? That sure doesn't seem. You know, it was kind of like that 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 is a little bitty body on that deer. But you knew the deer better than anybody. You yeah. studied it hours upon hours upon hours. But the body just did not add up to what we all thought. When no. I mean, and Andy kind of like he drug it out there. And I was like, wow. And we're kind of looking at it, and you got behind the deer and took pictures. And I think you looked at the pictures too. It was like, <laughs> yikes! Well, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> you know that compared to the last deer you well, killed. Well, yeah. So that's the thing. You know, the first deer he killed was one sixty, a six or seven year old deer. You know, I think he's seven, but he could he could be six. Either way, a fully mature deer. And when I got down behind him, you know, granted, this one here, you know, was still, uh, he was still warm and limber and everything, but still, I went and grabbed <laughs> It was all you and I could do to get that deer onto the back of the buggy. And, and, and that, at that, I'm still falling off, and we could, I mean, it couldn't was. Couldn't do it. It was, it was two grown men wrestling a deer up there. It so I got down behind comical. this thing, and I thought, yikes. <laughs> and this is a little different. Oh, man. It's a different feel. I thought, what have I done? And uh, you know, I, I, at the time, you know, I'm still, I'm still happy, but I'm confused. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we get him back, and uh, Tyler and I just kind of pick him up and put him in the back of the buggy. You know, whereas before, like we said, we wrestled the last one. Tyler about broke his neck. Um, this was way too easy. Mm-hmm. Went and hung him up in the in the the garage, and uh, it's had a few deer hung up in it this year from the same setup. The last deer, you know, the neck was like on the ground, and the the head was the head's sideways, cocked sideways, and you know, I mean, like like ears and eyeballs are still in the concrete because yeah. you can't. And go up this high one, enough. the nose is a few inches from hitting the yeah. concrete, and I yeah. thought, yo, this is not good. <laughs> so then I then I get into the mode. I'm like, what happened? You know, where did this go wrong? And and so I, there's a few things that I I want to take take from this. Um, you know, for one, no matter how hard you try. Um, I want to kill mature deer, and that is my objective, and I do everything in my power to to accomplish that. Um, however, I failed to do that in this deer. Personally, it takes nothing away from it for me. The the chase that I had, the the chess match, the experiences of of going after this deer, were something I'll remember forever. I honestly, I hope I don't go through this every year because it is mentally grueling to have a deer on your mind that much that you feel is that um, killable, if for lack of a better word. I mean, he was that uh, that visible. So um, I, I would not change that for anything. Um, it, you do wonder what could this deer have been, you know, if he's got a couple more years. I mean, you don't know. He could have. This could have been the biggest rack he ever had. Who knows? I mean, um, that's a lot of what ifs. But you know, the the, the number one thing of, of killing young deer that why I don't do it is I still I feel like the animal deserves the opportunity to reach his full potential uh, to uh, r- reach a point where he is on his game the most. You know, where he is you know a little bit wiser and smarter, but also just reaching his full body and, and antler potential too. I think that's what we owe it to the animals for, and that's why I do it. Everyone's going to have their own opinion on why they hunt, whatever it is that they do decide to hunt. Um, what do you think his live weight was? 
I don't know. I will have a 150, 160. Probably. Yeah. Literally, the body looked like a big doe. Yeah. When he when he's gutted, hanging in the garage, I looked at that and I'm like, that just looks like a big doe. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a. So, Mike, you just showed me. I mean, you know, you got here, you brought the jaw. Uh, you know, I kind of know the picture, or the the story behind the muley buck, but you just showed me pictures of that deer at the age of two, three, four, and then in 2018, it's five. And then I I look at the harvest pictures; it's the same deer, man. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's the same deer. There's no way with with all those the you know the kicker and the and the the, the brow times the brow. It's it's. Like you, you, you're you're acting like it's oh it's got to be a three year old or two or three year old deer, no it's you can't convince me otherwise that that's not a five year old but he's a pygmy deer he's got something wrong with him he just he's he just, on a diet. he's just small it is weird because so but so, you look at his jaw and his absolutely those it, those it, those back molar Mike teeth Mike and look. I were just looking at earlier the jaw Mike's got the jawbone here at HQ and we were we were looking at it. And it, it wasn't a question of whether we could make him three or four years old. It's a question if we could make him a two or, or you know, it, to yeah, go to a three-year-old. It, it's where we're confident he's two years old. Can we make him a three-year-old? Yeah. But it, but I think the, the, the moral of what we're all getting at here, and maybe we talked about this before we started this, but is the, you know, last week we talked about trail cameras and what we're all using for trail cameras. And we get so caught up in trail cameras and pictures and this deer's that deer and year to year yeah. and how what's he changed and how much did he grow and, and characteristics and in some years i think that it's just a you can have some deer that are very similar but are different deer i, I don't i don't buy it i mean this one is awfully close now there, so this deer so the deer that you killed just showed up this one day this this year you know and and the one last year just vanished just disappeared no i don't believe it yeah. you killed you killed a five-year-old deer that that was that was physically challenged. Uh, you know, hey. there's some of the some guys that are five three, one forty five soaking wet, and there's some guys like yourself, yep. Mike, that are six one three twenty. You know, I mean, well, I was gonna give you, I was gonna, you know, six four built like a no, brick shit house. I, I ain't quite like that, but I'm a little more rotund than but, that. But the, but there, no, you're check no him out on Facebook. There's no way you're right. You're After right. what you just showed me with the with the trail cam pictures, there's no way. One thing you can't, you know, the jaw. Uh, you're gonna have to send those. And front we are. Teeth we're gonna. Fr- so I'm gonna send the front incisors in to DeerAge.com. I've already ordered the kit, and they will be able to do some cementum annuli or something along those lines. And what they will do is they will. Uh, I watched their process. It was kind of neat. You know, they'll put paraffin wax over the teeth, and then they'll put them in in this machine that like slices it. You know, into into these fine um, slices, sure. and then they'll put it in a slide, and then they can dye it. And then you can see the like the growth rings in the tooth, and you know it's similar to a tree. But yep. uh, when a tree growth rings, it makes the tree get bigger. With a with a tooth, uh, the the growth ring is just each year it changes so that the skin of the you know of the gum has something to attach to the root. That's mm-hmm. where that ring is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ninety seven percent accurate. Um, so we should we should know. Yeah. Now that will bring some closure. It will, you know, and and I have studied these pictures even after I harvested the deer, over and over and over. And you look at these pictures. I've got a picture of this deer that I thought he was three years ago as a two year old, and 
he is a clear two-year-old. And you, you put pictures of this deer next to him, not even close. You know, this deer, he doesn't look like he has long legs. He has a really saggy brisket. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't have a super lean body. Maybe he's a midget deer. And I, I said I, this I, I call thing. it a pygmy buck. Yes. Midget deer. Yeah, you midget. Know. So when you post the uh, podcast up, yep. you should somehow include pictures and of the four I just looked at and, and put – uh, give, give, every, give everybody some – I give you heck about some of your pictures you send because you send antler pictures and say how old's that deer sometimes. But send, send put your pictures out there for everybody else to look at. Put the put the whole body, get some good – if you got some broadside pictures of all the, of the years of deer going through there, put them out there and let everybody else well, – well, and, and Make that, some comments. Give with, us your feedback on it because it's – With the deer we're, we're looking at here, all I got to see is the rack, and I know it's the same deer you shot. Right. Now, body-wise, that's where – you know, we talked about last week how important trail cameras are. They can be super deceiving with body size, and they can make a, uh, you know, that deer was only 150 pounds, but if he's got 137 inches of horn, it looks 145, yep. 150, yep. you know. So, you know, and you look at his neck. Te- it was a Texas deer. I've had, I've had some of those deer that I've killed that were, you know, the the higher scoring deer have not by by no means ever been – the deer that weighed the most or had the biggest body. No. Yeah. I mean, that was – They don't go hand in hand. But it's hard, to, it's hard to look at a trail camera picture of a deer, a buck, and and know the weight. Right. Unless you've got like a 260-pounder standing next to it, then you got, you know you could say, oh, yeah, he's, he's not very big. But, I mean, it's fooled me and my neighbor. David killed a, a buck we, uh, we nicknamed Venus. He looked – he was a – six by six uh looked like venus flytrap we had all kinds of pictures and we're like man that is a really that's a 160 inch deer for sure i don't think he's real old i think he was four um but he looked 160 and he got him on the ground he was like 149 but you didn't what you couldn't see in the picture he was only 170 pounds you know it's just you can't – trail cameras can be deceiving in that. And literally, I think, you know, the more I look at these pictures, the deer was short, yeah. you know, um, from from snout to tail. Probably not very tall. Um, not overly tall, but he was – He was only about He was what? chunky. He was what, you know, foot and a half, two feet tall, wasn't he? Midget. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. three feet long. Yeah, that, that's uh, – there's, <laughs> there's some issues with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So – it was uh, it was an interesting an interesting experience to uh, to say the least. I had another point that I wanted to make on this, and you guys have gotten me a little off track here. So. Flustered, a little. This is a story of. I the, think uh, there's a congratulations in order. Oh well, yeah, you had a hell of a year. Yeah, I mean it was it was the it was the season of a lifetime for sure. You know, um, and as I had said, you know, before the season ever started. My season was a success because I did all this habitat improvement to the to the land, put in the food plots. Um, they all ended up working out, and so I went in with zero expectations, um, with an open mind to just enjoy the fruits of my labor, to go out and sit and see everything that I've done and have a chance to see the wildlife utilizing the work that I'd put in. And then you fast forward, you know, October or November, what was it, the – 30th, I guess, is when I killed this deer, um, you know, and I had, I had shot two bucks that are now at the taxidermist office, and uh, I don't know how much better my season could have went, to to be honest with you. Um, you know what this means? What's that? 
squirrel season is right around the corner. Well, that that was the plan. I, you know, I had said the day after I buck out, squirrel season's going to open. However, someone's taken the keys to my farm, and uh, oh, I haven't taken any keys, Mike. <laughs> Chances of me actually deer hunting there are probably uh, well, very slim, and you know that. As yeah, well as I do. So, but, but Louie, hey, you've got a muzzleloader tag. Yeah, let's go. I think yeah. you've got one this weekend. I don't have one, so uh, let's go. Come yeah. on up to Bully Farms. There's some bunch of beans up there, and I'll shoot a midget deer. You know, there there may be some uh, farm. maybe this, some running around. This reminds me of that uh, that song, the the uh, the thirty point buck, the thirty point the thirty point buck, <laughs> the legend of the midget deer. <laughs> oh boy, I'll tell you what. I wish maybe I could make a parody of this. I wish I could remember deer. what I was gonna say. Because it was a couple of good points that I wanted to make about this whole experience. But it, and, when you gutted him, I mean, was his manhood smaller than? Yep. Normal? You know, it, the tarsal glands were just faint. Um, you know, it it's just mind blowing. The whole short little face or long face or you know shorter. It was a shorter face. It wasn't real snout looking. Um, but a, a three year old deer is gonna have a nice I know. long. So so here's the thing. I will I will get the pictures posted. I I've I've held off on posting any pictures yet. I'm waiting on my photographer to actually send me the the hero shots. You got, a, you of, got your uh, own photographer. You know that yeah. now that you mentioned that I did take those, didn't I? Yes, you did. And I, and, and I haven't heard one word about no. where those pictures. You know, and unlike Louie, I haven't said a single word. It's been a week almost, and I, I just I had to say I forgot I, I took them every three hours. Actually, I, I didn't forget, but I remembered it today when I was out taking pictures of a property. Because you see them? I'm going backwards to figure out how many pictures I'd taken so far. I looked, I'm like, oh, there's those pictures. And then yeah. there I, I actually forgot about it until right now you said something. I think so. you killed the holy grail of coal bucks. And and that's that's possible. It really is. Um, <laughs> Quite possibly the world's smallest five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know. And here's the other thing. Here's the way to look at it, guys, is – there's a chance that he is a two-year-old deer, and he was a 137-inch two-year-old deer, which is a very good two-year-old deer. Um, still the third largest deer I've ever killed in my entire life. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. The largest deer I've ever killed with a firearm. Um, so I can't get too wrapped up, and I'm, I, I don't want to get down. It's not like this was an oops deer. This wasn't a deer that come by that I thought, oh, no, there's mature deer and shoot it and realize, oh, man, I made a mistake. This is a deer that I was targeting. And not only was I targeting him, I was, like, dreaming about him and, you know, nonstop. This is the deer that was on my mind. So I I closed that chapter. Um, I'm proud of that. Um, I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, And it's a done deal. And now we will find out uh, some more of the details. But it is just a reminder that, you know, sometimes you just never know. And, you know, when you get these pictures, I'll get these pictures online. They'll be on Instagram and on our Facebook page as well. And you will be able to see some of these pictures of this deer and, and you know, see it for yourself. He's not going to look like a two-year-old for sure. Uh, he may look three or four. And um, he's his teeth say that he's not. Um, but uh, One thing we know, he's not a button buck. He's not a button buck, and he's not going to get any older. And uh, I can't wait to eat his back straps. And I was gonna next week. bring some down tonight, but we already had turkey on the menu, some deep fried turkey. So maybe next week we'll do some uh, some muley buck uh, back straps. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that kind of wrapped up my uh, 2018 deer season. Uh, again, just thrilled, over the moon about it. You know, thankful for 
uh, all the help uh, that everyone's given me, uh, the, the advice. And uh, I think it was a great year for me to start this Deerland podcast yeah. because what done this a couple of years ago, I didn't have a whole lot to uh, to show for my efforts. And, uh, you know, here we are this year. I think it's bringing me some good luck. Well, it's, so. Yeah, it's looking like you know what you're doing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how things go. And, and it, it does do one of those things where come next year, my standards are probably going to be a little bit higher than maybe what they were this year. Um, if for no other reason than uh, when I get my taxidermy bill, that's going to be enough, I think, to make me make sure that, yeah, we're going to shoot a, a pretty yeah. good one next year because <laughs> – I don't think I want to go through every year having uh, having two deer come back from the taxidermist. So, um, but I, yeah, I'm already excited for next year. Already looking forward to the work that uh, is going to go into it. Um, but that's uh, that's that's part of it. You know, that's the, that's the fun of being a land manager and a property owner is getting to uh, do all the off season work. You know, even though there is no off season. So, man, how about that turkey we had tonight? Very good. Uh, the Missouri bird was tougher than shoe leather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but. You know, I got to give a shout out to uh, Rick Moyer for the rank seasoning. Yeah. Rank seasoning. Rank. Yeah, yep. we did put a little rank seasoning if on there. If you guys haven't tried it, out of Florida. Uh, Rick Moyer. He, uh, I don't know if he still produces it or not, but maybe limited supply to, to yeah. uh, certain people sometimes. But Yeah, you probably we, should have checked on the availability of it first before you get out to all of our listeners just, and they start. Well, good. hey, you, you know, Rick, if, if you guys want some, I'm sure Rick can, uh, he will produce it. Uh, like a single batch, all season. Don't, don't all season. Yeah, uh, don't don't bother asking for the recipe because he he's not going to divulge what that is. But it's good stuff. Good on anything. Yeah. It is. Yeah, always has been. So, um, I guess that's probably enough about the mule deer buck, and it's probably the last we'll hear from it until we get the aging of the teeth back. Uh, I think it's a ninety day type of turnaround. So. Uh, that'll be right before turkey season, so that'll give us something to talk about deer-wise, I guess, when turkey season's getting close. Um, and we'll kind of put the bow on it, I guess. Yep. You know, the the story has been written as far as the, the chase and the, the harvest and all of that, but this will just kind of be the, the bow on the whole, the whole ordeal. And it's not going to uh, change me, you know, one way or the other. Uh, just be some yeah. peace of mind, a little closure. Um Interesting. I've never done this before. I've never sent teeth off in. Yeah. What What was the website again, Mike? Uh, DeerAge.com. DeerAge.com. Uh, they're out in Missoula, Montana. Uh, I think the company was, was originally down in Texas, and it looks like it's under new ownership as of uh, 2018. So, um, I had my deer sent off. Uh, my, my taxidermist did it, but he sent uh, the teeth out of my buck from last year, uh, the one I killed January 14th. And uh, – it took – I bet I got the results in, like, June. So, it, you know, it takes a while, but it uh, – Yeah, this year, I mean, they, they tell you it's a 90-day. You can buy a 45-day yeah. package or a 90-day package yeah. um, to, to get your results back. So, um, you know, who knows? I may start doing this more. Tyler and I were talking that we wish we would have saved the jaw from that first one just to see what, you know, a, a guaranteed mature deer is and see what the wear pattern and stuff was and – I probably should have sent uh, those teeth off to see because I know he's six or seven, but just to see for sure. But uh, it doesn't matter. It's you know, it's not a huge deal. I think it's I think just, it says something that the the deer age uh, the laboratory that you're sending it to wants to have the front front sizers instead of the back molars because I think the back molars. Am I saying that correctly? Molars, molars, yes. molars. Yeah, I think they're different uh, depending on where the deer is and what he's eating and. Yeah, and, and so what they're doing is is they're they're taking it from the root, 
and they can still do the same testing on the molar if for some reason you break the incisors or, or whatever off. However, it's not quite as accurate. Uh, that root, the the pattern on that root, isn't quite as accurate as it is on the the incisors. So we're gonna that, see how we're we're gonna see how good you guys are at aging a deer because you looked at the molars. Yep, and said that he was two or three. Two. I'm calling him two and a half. Yeah. Wow. I'm it, calling him two and a half and sticking with it. But it's gonna it, be good if he comes back three and a half. I, I mean, it, it's it's one of those. We did some of this, the, the tooth aging in QDMA level two. I know I've talked about this class before, but that was one of those things where they, they kind of went through the, you know, the process of looking at that, of can you, can you go on to the next age based on what the tooth tells you? And I'm stuck at two. I can't, I can't sit here and say, okay, yeah, I can give you three. I can confidently say that I know he's two. Is he three? I'm going to stick with the two, Mike. I think you're kind of you're on the fence about even going to three. No, the, for sure two. The the three is questionable. The dentine, you know, the, the the levels of dentine on the molars does appear to make it look like a, a two year old. However, um, the lingual crests uh, they look kind of like a mountaintop, and the second molar on one of those is a little more rounded. It isn't quite as sharp as the third one, and based off of that, that could show that it's a three year old. Um, so, so what if he comes back five? How can we explain it? We're gonna send him to the Smithsonian or something. I, I don't <laughs> if he comes back five years old, then I I think the deer had like a a, a gum disease and he couldn't eat. I I, I don't know. I, I think really he was on a diet and he probably ran daily and and only ate so much food and too much honeysuckle on his I, diet. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I but but it is you know in, in my line of work in in police work we don't believe in coincidences. So when I see this deer that looks so much like this other deer, my my brain is telling me it's not a coincidence. There's no that it's not a coincidence. It's the same deer. Well, you know, some of the other um physical evidence is telling me otherwise, and so that's why we're going to have they call themselves the CSI of deer aging. Mm-hmm. And we're going to send it off to that lab and let them do their thing um and and see what they have to say about it. But it it makes a it makes a great story the hunt the chase the the near misses um you know the the stress that i went through in this deer um and then to be able to successfully you know end it that's what it is about and for all you people out there that are hunting again you know sometimes it happens you may kill a 2 year old deer but if if you did it the right way and you put in the time and uh and are proud of your harvest man that's what matters and again he is at the taxidermist. Yeah. He is going to be on my wall um, forever. And if he comes back as a two-year-old deer, I'm going to have a two-year-old deer on yeah. my wall, and I'm not going to be ashamed of it no. uh, because it, it's got a heck of a story. And so um, loved it. A, a great season. I'm already missing, you know, not getting to, to go out and chase any, uh, any more angler deer this year. You are bucked out. I am bucked out. So we have our muzzleloader season this weekend. You still, could but. get a buck on a pattern for uh, Louie or I and just give I, us a I, ring. Yeah, you know, I haven't checked cameras since Thanksgiving, so I need to get out there and get get cameras checked. Um, just not been a need, has there? There, there just hasn't. I mean, um, even, even with second season, I said, you know, there's not really a point in doing so. Uh, I'm going to hunt this same blind. Uh, so you think the deer on your farm are like, did, did he die or something? Like, we haven't seen yeah. him. We One, haven't seen him cruising around. Where's our little brother at? Yeah. <laughs> wondering, wondering where I'm at. They're I, not out there saying, where's dad? Where's grandpa? Like, where's the little well, they brother? They said the, the midget died, and now, the like, our owner. Yeah, he's, he he's hasn't gone. been around. Yeah. Where, 
I haven't. <laughs> He's uh, not waving at us. <laughs> I haven't been out, you know, to hunt or check cameras at all. So, um, but but again, the reason I didn't check cameras ultimately before second season is because whatever showed up on those were not going to change my my approach to hunt that that weekend. So I was riding out this one spot, and I knew that if he came back, that he was going to come out in the spot where he did, where Tyler and I had seen him on November fourteenth. And if he didn't, then he wasn't going to. And when I passed that deer on Thursday night, again, I had no idea if he was still alive or if he'd been back, but I still uh, I still didn't take the shot. And I can promise you, if it had not been for this mule deer buck, that deer that come out Thursday morning, rather, would have gotten shot at. You know, I mean, sure. it, Fi- it, he would have. Final question, Mike. Yeah. About Mo- the mule deer buck. About the mule yeah. deer buck. If Mongo Dead and, deer. and mule deer buck were standing side by side, who Mongo, would, Mongo, yeah, right. he's he's a he's more of a once in a lifetime type of deer. I, just, I think I just had to ask. Yeah, no, uh, and that was and like you told me, well, when I when I passed that deer, you and when I was looking at some other deer, maybe some other coals, and you kept telling me, don't change your standards, go out there and hunt the mule deer buck or hunt Mongo, one of those two deer, and that's what I did. And again, this one had come out that. Probably should have shot him, you know. Um, found out a neighbor had shot at him and missed him with his bow not long before that. But uh, um, straight but, straight line. But maybe he'll be back next year, you know. You know, who, who knows? So, so could you walk out there and like hundred yard circle? You pretty much knew where Muley Buck was bedded. Yes. Yeah. So that's valuable from what I thought. And and here's the thing on Going top forward. of that. He, yes. Well, he had this thing where he'd go out and he just he had a little holler when Mike would go hunting. He'd just kind of yell at yeah. him and call yeah. him. And, and within so many hours, typically he'd come back. Like ringing a dinner bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, Louis, this kind of started. And actually, I was sending you some pictures last year. I had this really old eight-pointer, monster, monster body, little rack, 120-inch rack maybe, but just a, a brood of an old deer. And I was starting to get a little bit of a pattern on him throughout October. And it was kind of in this same area. Um, I didn't have cameras set up in quite the same locations. Uh, I did some clearing of some, you know, overgrowth and stuff like that in the the meantime since. But in the cameras I did have around there, this buck was frequenting them uh, close to daylight um, in the mornings, close to sunset in the evenings, back and forth. And I really thought I was going to have a chance at this deer. I believe Halloween night he winded me. He got behind me um, in a stand that I knew was – that was the potential was there for that to happen. Never seen him again, never had a picture of him again after that. But I was sending you these pictures and you were saying, you know, you don't even know where this camera is in my farm, but I'm sending you pictures repeatedly. And you're saying that deer has got to be within a hundred yards. He's bedded within a hundred yards of there. Mm-hmm. And this year, the mule deer buck was doing the same thing at the same places, you know, heading back to bed in the mornings, coming out in the evenings, um, you know, just, religiously when you seen him you could tell which direction he was going and you know so i know he was right in there so within 100 yards yes Mm -hmm. i feel that i have a good idea of where his one of his preferred beds are you know it ain't like they have you know um deeded uh right you know land that they go back to but one of his preferred areas that he liked to bed was was really close to there so uh very good chance maybe next year another buck takes up that spot and uh and we can do it again but um i'll tell you what's got me excited mike is second season you're out hunting yep. and you're telling me about all the turkeys you've got. Yeah, and long beards and and I'm going to bring up a story because I'm going to make you tell it here. Okay, is the story about the uh, the trespasser 
that was standing at the entrance of Parker's. That that was yeah. uh you, you hadn't told anybody about this. No, and I'm calling you out on it here. I'm gonna have you tell the story because it's kind of comical. Mike's got a pile of turkeys. He's got like I don't know a, bu- so, a, a bunch so, of hens, a bunch of long beards over here so. in, the, in this group. And Mike happens to turn, and and the sun's just right, and and looks out the window towards Parker's entrance, about a hundred yards. And there stands what? So what did you tell me you was standing there? So let's, you know, while we're talking about turkeys, we ate some turkey bird tonight. Um, long bird. Long birds, yes. So <laughs> there was a pile of these birds, 36 birds at one time had come out, which, you know, on a small piece, that's a lot. But So so just so you know, your 37 acres right now yeah. sounds like the greatest 37 acres on earth. I'm just <laughs> saying that. And, it, and it's not for sale yeah. yet. I mean, he can get it tagged out. I mean, he's bucked out. He's got he's a million out, turkeys. turkeyed out. Squirrels uh, everywhere. Yeah. So, and here's the craziest thing about these 36 turkeys is part of that was 10 long beards, which is just, you know, crazy numbers from what I had seen over the years, you know, in the fall. You see a bunch of hens, but never have I seen that many long beards in one spot. So, there had been 33 turkeys to begin with. And there had been seven longbeards. So if you do the math, there's we're missing three longbeards from this group that mm-hmm. I ultimately ended up having close by. So as I'm watching them all, you know, these longbeards, even in the fall, they get a little testy with one another. You know, they do a little flogging with each other and whatnot. So I'm watching them all. They're all right out in front of me. So then I, I look to my right out this other window looking for deer because I am deer hunting. And I look right down – I. In my big field, when I, I divided it up into food plots, I've got uh, four half-acre bean plots, and then between that I've got, like, rows of, or strips of clover, like 20-foot-wide strips, like paths going through to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, give myself a travel corridor and then possibly, Direct you know, deer. animals yeah. as well. So I'm looking straight down this clover path, which heads straight to the, the neighbor's entrance, and I'm like, what in the world is that? <laughs> and I'm looking and looking like – there is somebody standing. You said a girl. Yeah. So I first, I said, there is somebody standing there. And I'm looking. <laughs> and I'm like, that is a girl wearing a blue coat with a walking stick and really long brown hair standing there looking into my other small field, not moving. And I'm thinking, what are you doing here? It's deer season. For one, you're going to have to get shot. You don't even have any orange on. But now I'm mad. And I'm thinking, I'm going <laughs> to climb down out of this blind, and it's getting to be prime time, and I'm going to go over there and see just what in the world you're doing here because this is ridiculous. <laughs> so as I'm looking, I'm like, wait a second. There's a flipping turkey like four foot from her. <laughs> Does she have a pet turkey? You know, there's no way that there's a turkey <laughs> that close to somebody standing there. And I'm baffled. So <laughs> first time I've heard this story was last night, and he he hesitated to tell me, but it's so, funny enough I got it, no, I got and it. I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, and I'm <laughs> I'm sober as a preacher, you know, uh, n- no alcohol, no like alcohol effects. Hadn't even been to deer camp, nothing. You, you know? only drink when it's podcast night. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's usually about it. So milk and cookies. Tonight. I get the binoculars up, and I'm looking, and I get zoomed in, and I'll be damned. It's a turkey. Turkey. It is a long beard turkey standing there, head straight up, 
wings straight down. The most narrow turkey I've ever seen. The the highest that a head of a turkey has ever been. That it, it's indescribable. <laughs> Bo- Bowley Farms has midget deer and and ogre turkeys on it. So. <laughs> There's there's things wrong out there, and it's just standing. I mean, w- here's what it reminded me of, Lou. You'll see these chainsaw carvings and like dead yeah. trees, and st- that's what it reminded me of. If somebody were to take a dead tree and, yeah. and carve a turkey in it as best you can, you know, the real skinny, you know, straight up and down statue looking thing, that was that turkey. Now, granted, you know, you think maybe there's something in the background that make made it look like it had brown could hair. Be, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Where, where's the blue coat at on this the blue thing? coat? <laughs> The whole thing was just weird, and uh, so ultimately, you know, I got to watch it and realized it was. Did you have the heat on in the blind? No, no, that might have been. I, I might have maybe been the fumes were too much propane or something. Or... No, it might have been you know hypothermia setting in because I didn't have the heat on. I was wearing a hoodie in there, but so, anyways, yeah, it it finally moved um, and started to look like an actual turkey again, and then worked in and then fought the other the other long beards, and I mean, it was a, it was a, the whole thing was a cool experience. But yeah, I'm excited about. Uh, Excited about turkey season coming and uh, getting to chase after some of these long beards. And it looks like so far, I mean, uh, the the flocks are, are doing well. Yeah. So seems like there's a lot of birds. Long, you know, long birds. Long birds. You know, and now that I'm uh, now that I'm bucked out, I, I say we just quit talking about deer hunting and let's start talking about turkey hunting. You, know? you think it was a f- pushing 50 inches? I don't know. It, it, you know, 49, I think it was, was the magic number that everyone's birds seem to be. But um, – <laughs> May, I don't know. It was so, it was tall. It was tall. So we got to talk about what we're talking about right now. Oh yeah, I mean, the, so the, Mike Mike got me turned on to the hunting public guys on YouTube, and they've got an awesome podcast too. But the, those guys are just super fun to watch. And uh, Aaron Warbritton, yeah, uh, actually got to meet the guy. Um, a good dude used to work for Bill Winky. They've got the hunting public going on. They got a ton of viewers. But they hunt public ground, and they hunt uh, way harder than us. I mean, it, it brings back a lot of good memories, the way they hunted and the way we used to do it when yeah. we were young and had didn't have kids and weren't married. But those guys, when they, when they kill a turkey, they don't measure the beard or the spurs. They measure how long the turkey is. Yep, from the, from the, from the, <laughs> from the snood. The limp snood to the end of the tail feathers. And if you get to 50 inches, it's like world record. Yeah. And I then, mean, they haven't had one over 49. Well, I know – uh, was it was it Zach that killed one in Alabama that was that was long, um, long then, bird, long bird, and then Ted Miller had that like ninety seven inch or something because he killed two in one spot and he put them <laughs> put them <laughs> yeah, together yeah. And, and measured them off. But yeah. but yeah, it's uh, Greg Clements, Aaron Warbritton, and Zach yeah. Farinball. Those three guys own the company. Um, then they've got uh, Jake Hubersham or something, yeah. and uh, he's part of them as well. And they got a couple interns, Logan and Ted. And uh, Man, they're, it's a, it's they're a, a lot of fun. Addicting. Again, they uh, Greg and, and Aaron and Zach come from Midwest Whitetail, yep. had been longtime employees there, five, six, seven years, yep. uh, decided to go out on their own and, and give this a shot. And um, Scott Pruka um, yep. is another one of the guys that kind of went, went with them. Uh, he hunts more public or private land. He has his own farms up uh, by Albia. But you talk about guys that are hunting on a budget and, yep. and just do it. I mean, they're – they go to the surplus store, and some of them buy army camo. And I mean, uh, yeah, you know, they're they're hunting from the ground a lot. Tree saddles, uh, tree and saddles now, and yeah. it's uh, just ghillie cool suits, to, and it's really um, cool to watch. And even me, you know, being a, a private land hunter, a small parcel private land hunter, 
I've learned a lot of stuff from them as far as scouting your way in and out, yeah. looking for fresh sign, um, trusting the sign, trying not to move too far past it. If you see sign, you know, you might want to hunt it until you know that it's no longer any good. Just a lot of little things. But not, they're just, not worried too much about scent, but more no, about play the wind. how they get in. And, how they um, get, yeah. and, you know, they're not worried about, uh, you know, antler size or, you know, to them, I mean, a mature deer is three, but – you know, they go to Alabama and they're just happy to take a two-year-old, oh, you yeah. know, on public land. And, and they're happy with it. And that, there's no reason to even look down on those guys no. for that. I mean, because that's what they're out to do and they're yeah. happy for it. And um, that's what's awesome. But they're yeah. just a great group of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Greg's wife, Mindy, you know, does a lot of the cooking for him, But she'll also go out and drag a deer out yeah. with them. And, you know, it just it reminds me of, you know, just some good old boys that yeah. uh, love what they do and they're good at what they do. They're, they're killers. Yeah. Phenomenal photographers and videographers and editors, and yeah. uh, they, they have a great program. So I really um, like that episode where they were tracking that deer. They got up at they, – they, they shot the deer. They tracked it for a while. They knew it was a marginal hit. They went back. They slept a while. They got up at, like, 2 a.m., went mm-hmm. back out, tracked it, and then one of the dudes is like – well, if we don't find him or if we do find him, I'm just going to stay out here and hunt. Yep. I mean, they, they don't sleep. They don't eat. They just They don't hunt. drink water half the time. I mean, it's crazy, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, they're, they're entertaining to watch. So yeah. uh, check their videos out on YouTube, and they're on Instagram as well. Um, so. But they're just out walking through the woods and finding a tree and – they do a lot of they do a lot of scouting uh, with Onyx, yeah. uh, which is something uh, that that I've started to use even with my small farm, using a lot of the tools on it um, to share information with other people is a great thing as well. But they they do use a lot of Onyx, and they will take uh, and they've got a lot of videos out there too of how to scout from maps. So if you're going to take a a public land hunt out, you know, in Colorado or something. Mm-hmm figure out the the section that you're going to be hunting in uh, or the zone that you'll be you know having a tag for and then figure out where you want to go and then you just you do a lot of scouting from the map uh use the topographic lines and drop a bunch of pins everywhere and then you can download those maps onto your phone so you can use it offline um, because Mm -hmm. even around here we lose cell cell phone service a lot i'm sure out there it's even worse and tyler you hunt out west you know several times Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really spotty to to have cell service, but, but with it's, it's X, spotty can... out west. But I'll have to say that North Breck here mm-hmm. is probably the spottiest. Oh, it's crazy. in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you can download a map and save it. You don't need service. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. and that's what. Yeah, you can save it for offline use. Right. And it's that like you got it. It's like uh, five mile. You can load or you can download different. You know widths you know if you want a, a five mile or 10 mile or 20 mile area and the file size would be different but that way when you get out there you've got it all on your phone you can put your phone on airplane mode and you know battery life will last a lot longer and all you're using is just the gps yeah. so yeah. Uh, so they do a lot of that with onyx and um i love onyx myself this is my first year using it yeah. um you know i'd always used hunt stand before and mm-hmm. i think you still use a little bit of hunt stand and i and i will uh some as well but uh i just like the onyx uh a little bit better it just opened my eyes to all the you know there's a lot of good stuff on youtube the only hunting shows aren't just on the sportsman's channel and the outdoor channel that's there's, exactly there's right some really good stuff on youtube and some very you know 
put together, not just guys out there with GoPros and, you know, tough-to-watch type stuff. I mean, you know, they put these shows together like they could be on, you know, any one of the outdoor sportsman group, you know, platforms, uh, but they have control over it, um, and uh, they kind of get to do it their own way, and that's why you're seeing more and more of this going forward, and it's free, you know. Well, it's it's also good to know that the younger generation is following them, and we're going to that's Maybe what get we some need. New hunters out of it. You know, we've got to worry about our, you know, our hunter retention. Uh, what is the three R's? Recruitment, retention, and um, um, to bring them back. Re retention. Yeah, it's it's to to you know reintroduce. Reintroduce. Reintroduction. You know, that's the three R's. You know, that we're trying to do with the hunting is, you know, uh, bring in new people, keep the ones we have, and then bring back some of the ones that used to hunt. Um, so the the people that are able to get on these digital platforms and kind of like what we're doing here in a way is it, it kind of brings some fun back to the back to the sport a little bit i mean oh. not not that there was there wasn't the fun in the sport but it it uh it had changed there's some of the you know i i mean there was so much focus on certain aspects of it of what the, some of the shows were you know i mean and I, it, well, I, our, I think you know our show i think it's a lot it's i mean we you know i mean we're shooting some big deer and trying to give some education and things like that. But it's just, it's, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's got sponsors and this and that this day and age. And a lot of these guys, they're just out here having fun, putting a show together and, and they might have a few sponsors here and there, but they're not, yeah. they're just, they're no, just they, having fun. I mean, the, the hunting yeah. public guys, are just it's inspirational. Doing what they're doing, what they love. It makes you want to get back to the basics. It makes you want to, uh, get a set of climbing sticks and a really light, stand and just go do it the old-fashioned way and see what you see i mean they're they may after watching it's like man they they make killing a three-year-old buck cool again without a doubt i mean that's know. what you know when i was 18 19 20 or how you know those a lot of those guys are some of those guys are in their teens still maybe. right right out well they're right out of college you know early yeah. 20s 21 yeah. you know um, but uh, that's <laughs> they were that's, in kindergarten when, when we were 18 19 years yeah. old back yeah. when I mean, things were just different, and yeah. and I, I think the the upside to the digital age, to YouTube and um, even Carbon TV and stuff like that is, uh, it's giving a, a platform for a lot more voices to be heard, um, more of your average Joe types of guys, you yeah. know, or even a program like this. We're just three guys that threw a little bit of money out there, got some equipment, sat down, and we hit the record button on a computer and, you know, see what we can come up with. And, you know, we're hoping at some point we hit our stride, you know, where uh, people are enjoying listening to us. And we're hoping to bring some video content, you know, as time goes on and we, we get a little bit better feel of this. Uh, but 10 years ago, that wasn't an option. Nobody would ever hear from our voices or our opinion, our opinions or our experiences. Nobody would know about the mule deer buck because right. I'm never going to be on the outdoor sportsman's group, you know. Um and I honestly, at this point, I don't really have a desire to. I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm happy with with what we're doing here. Um, maybe we should have froze that deer. I mean, maybe he's a legit like midget five year old. He's Smithsonian material. Yeah, it it's they may want like people may want to study that deer. It's very if he was that that you know. It's like the two headed pig. It could be, man. I don't know. He's <laughs> he gone now. We're just rambling sure on about this yeah. deer. Yeah, you know, I all I hear is you're only getting 15 minutes to talk about this deer. We're <laughs> not going to talk about it. So I end the story, 
And then what's the old land guy do? He starts talking about the mule deer buck again, <laughs> bringing it up out of nowhere. So, well, um, it was the kind of the midget deal. I mean, that's just got me thinking. I, I don't think the word midget's politically correct. Either. Okay, you know, so it's I, a little person. I think maybe is what they call it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Vertically but, challenged, um, underweight deer. Okay, that's so, what we're leaving it at. All right, uh, get rest him in, another rest one. In so peace. yes, and. Uh, but so so moving on to you know while we're talking about re- recruitment and retention, uh, this weekend is muzzleloader season, yeah. and uh, I'm going to take my three year old boy out for his first ever hunt of any kind. Cool. Uh, he's excited as all get out. I'm excited. I think I'm a little nervous. You know, um, got the old muzzleloader sighted in, do you? Yep, got her ready to go. Uh, don't know if we're going to shoot or not. What uh, kind of muzzleloader do you shoot? Uh, CVA Optima Elite. Okay. Uh, probably be the last year for it. I think I'm going to go with the 700 Ultimate muzzleloader next year from Remington. Pellets, powder. Uh, pellets, 150 grain of pellets. Triple seven. Um, nope. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Blackhorns. Pyrodex. Pyrodex. Yep. Power belt bullets. Uh, power belt. Yep. Uh-huh. 250 grain 250 bullet. 250 grain bullet. Yep. How far you got side in at? 100 yards. Pretty what good, it, what, pretty what good got, group this year. What or? do you got it at at a hundred? Is it inch high? Is it? See, I'm I'm using the. Uh, oh, you got uh, it like a BDC. Yes, yes, cool. for the muzzleloader. Cheating. Um, You're cheating. cheating. You darn right, <laughs> I'm cheating. Um, and I, you know, last year I was I was ready. You know, reach out there and touch one. And what's your comfortable? 150, you know, 200. Probably well, 150. Mm-hmm. When you're bucked out. Yeah. I mean, so 50, you're just doe 30. Hunting. I'm just doe hunting. Is all that I'm doing. Um, so. Last year, I, I had her ready. I was comfortable to 150, and I finally I shot a doe. First deer I'd ever harvested with a muzzleloader uh-huh. at, uh, like, 17 yards. So, so she, um, was, she was dead. Seven, she, she 17 was yards? I don't remember that. She, yeah, I, I, she come right out by me. I mean, Where'd you hold on her? Uh, like dead on. Dead square, yeah. <laughs> brown? Did you remember to turn your scope to three? And <laughs> they still had on 12. All I could see was brown. You know, I just pulled the trigger. <laughs> you know, and that's what's weird. You know, I, I use these three benign by 40 scopes, and even at nine power, I mean, oh, yeah. you, you can still see still see pretty pretty well even at uh, up close distances. Wow. But, uh, you know, and that was another deer. You know, I shot her, and uh, it was Saturday of muzzleloader season last year, and it had snowed, and uh, the deer were coming out a long ways away, and I was getting discouraged. I thought, you know, I went out there just to kill a doe. And you always think, ah, it ain't no big deal. Kill a doe. Well, here it is. You know, I've hunted Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning. Here it is Saturday night. Hadn't had an opportunity yet. And uh, the deer, again, were coming out way at the other end. And, and last year I played like um, a Plinko with my Banks blind, just moving it back and forth and trying to get <laughs> close to these deer. And it just was not a good strategy. But I'll be darned if uh, – you know, right towards the last light, all of a sudden a, a line of does come out right next to the blind, and they're walking right by me. And uh, so I, I got a shot, and after I shot, you know, there's the cloud of smoke, but there had been a lot more deer had filed into the field that I hadn't paid any attention to, and all you see is just white tails going every which way, mm-hmm. and I had no idea where this doe went. I mean, none. Couldn't tell you which direction she went. So I let things settle down, and then I went again, went out again looking for blood. No blood. So uh, I got to looking with a flashlight and couldn't see anything. So I got a hold of Andy Whitaker again, um, and he come over and started walking the field. And all of a sudden, all you could see is just a little bit of brown out there, and she'd made it 80 yards or so. And I found some blood once I once I got closer to her. She had actually went down and had turned around and was coming back. 
when she when she dropped. I mean, it was a perfect shot, but with those muzzle loaders, the the blood trail can be a little iffy sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I I don't know what we're gonna do. I asked my boy today, so you know we're gonna go out and we're gonna gonna try to shoot a deer and eat the deer and. He's still not quite sure yet of what we're going to do, but we're going to at least go out and give it a shot. And and part of me is thankful that, you know, as a dad, you always want to make sure you don't get too stressed out. And if I still had a buck tag and Mongo come out, you know, a potential booner deer, I would probably be freaking out with him in the blind. And um, so now it's zero stress for me. I I was nervous this year when I, I took Spencer at first shotgun season, shot a doe and, I was probably as nervous then as I I've probably ever been, just because I wanted to, you know, wanted him to experience that. We had a good time, and yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. I, I remember Spencer, uh, your son's what three this year? Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. So I remember Spencer was that age right. last year, yep. and I think last year he he kind of got the concept of of what we were doing, but didn't fully understand at the end of the night when it got dark because we were bow hunting mm-hmm. most of the, I think I. I don't think he ever gun hunted last year with me. He bow hunted several times. But it, when it got dark, he didn't understand why we weren't going to shoot a deer. When it came time to get out of the blind, it was like, but, Dad, we got to shoot a deer, you know. And yeah. So, But this year he's figured it out more and put it all together and understanding the process as we go. So I think it's good to get him out this year. And whether you – if you shoot something great, if you don't, you're going to put that impression in his mind. And yeah, it, you know. and make, I, it, make it fun. Take some snacks. Take – you know. Um, and, yeah, we'll make it fun. We'll make it a good time. And I'm not going to get out super early, you know. Um, you get about two hours in that stand with him. That'll that's right. Probably be, you know, yeah, probably I, be about max. Go, they're going to have to go potty. About, yeah. a, about a three o'clock or so, you know. Um, just so you know, you can just fling the door open and just. Right outside. Just let her go. Yep, yep. Um, so, and, and we will do that. I, I, again, I want to make it a fun experience for him. And, you know, when the deer comes out, I'm going to ask him, you know, if, if he wants me to shoot it or not. Uh, and, again, We've talked about it. He has went up and seen, you know, the deer that I've harvested, taken pictures with us and, you know, um, petted them, you know, after they've, they've been harvested. Um, he hasn't been part of a field dress job or anything like that quite yet. Um, but uh, I, I think he understands the, the whole process of, you know, harvesting the animal and uh, what goes into that. Uh, but we'll see. Again, if, if he's – the deer comes out and I ask him, hey, you know, should we should we take a chance at this one? And he says, no, then then we won't, you know. Um, but I did buy a new pair of uh, Walker's Game Ears headphones. Uh, they're the Razer, the Razer model. And I'd always kind of looked into those. Um, and they're actually kind of neat. I just caught them on a, an Amazon deal of the day. At like 2 in the morning, I woke up, was messing around, had two minutes to go, and they were mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Normally they're like 55 60 mm-hmm. So I bought them. They come in. And they're really adjustable, so they, they fit me well, but they also will fit him. And then if people that aren't familiar with the walkers, what you can do is you can turn on a button, and there's like a, a microphone in the ear. So you can hear better. So Amplifies know, certain ranges and, yeah, and cuts it dampens off when others. Yep, so I can, you know, I can put them on him, and, you know, when the deer is getting close or whatever, and then still be able to have a conversation with him, telling him, hey, this, you know, get ready, this is what's coming up, or don't move. And then when, you know, the gun goes off, it's able to block that, you know, block that frequency yeah. out. And um, so – I think they'll be great for him. Uh, as I think I said before, I got him his own little orange vest and his own orange stocking hat with a little deer embroidered yeah. on it, and um, I'm excited. You know, again, 
I never had that growing up. I never had a chance to hunt as a kid, never had a dad, and uh, this is something that I've looked forward to. And, yeah. and he's excited. I'm not forcing him. You know, if he didn't want to go, I mean, we, we wouldn't go. And if for some reason we get out there and, and he just wants to, to go, we'll, we'll, we'll leave. I'm not going to force anything onto the kid, but he really has an interest in this stuff. So yeah. um, I, I don't I, think that will be a problem. Spencer's asked for a uh, bow and arrow. Uh, camo clothes and a release from Santa Claus this <laughs> yeah. year. So needs a bow, doesn't he? <laughs> well, uh, we'll see what Santa he brings. He just him. wants a release. Well, he wants the bow and the release. So he's uh, and then that's he, something that Tyler and I talked you about. You got to get him a Matthews or a Mission or something on on the way down. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I we'll, bought. We'll my, see what Santa brings. <laughs> I, I bought my son uh, uh, a BB gun. You know, this cool. year at three and a half. His a mother daisy thinks or little Daisy. Yeah, it's kind of like the Red Rider, but it's called like the big buck or something like that it has a, a deer emblem on it a little shorter stock so the trigger pull is a little shorter cool um and uh so we're gonna get him out you know uh shooting some plinking at some pop cans or something and you know I, I told my wife that he is young and i understand that but you know i take him out when i'm out on the tractor with the implements and stuff and i tell him you know if you need to stand here do this that he knows we're not playing around mm-hmm. that he needs to listen and he listens very well and then when we take the bb gun out it will not be a toy it is a firearm and, you know, I will tell him the rules and we're going to do things a certain way. And if he's not listening or he's not ready for it, we'll put it up and we'll wait uh, until the time is right. But I think he's pretty darn close to being at that stage. Um, and then he went to the bow shop with me a couple months ago and we were looking looking at bows. And uh, Jamie Fuller, my, my bow tech, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, what, what do I need to get for him? And he showed me, the, you know, the right bow to get. He can grow into it even as a, you know, three and a half, four-year-old, he can shoot it. But it can, you know, go with him for a few years. And so his birthday's in May. So I may, uh, work on getting him one of those in May and it's cool. And starting him young, you know, um, again, everyone's going to have their own opinions on when you should start kids. And I think it's different from kid to kid. Everybody matures at a different age and, um, everybody, uh, has different beliefs and, you know, you have to parent your own child. And I, I think that, uh, mine's pretty close for this. And, you know, I would love to have him out, uh, you know, in the timber uh, with a crossbow at, you know, age seven or something, you know, or a lot of guys are getting their kids out turkey hunting at a young age. Uh, and I, I'm hoping to, to be able to do that as well. So, but you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I figure we'll, we'll start with the BB gun and go up to uh, the 22. And, um, you know, if I get a new muzzle loader, I think I'm going to keep the, the CVA and get it sighted in for maybe a hundred grains, uh, something with a lot less kick. And then, uh, you know, he can shoot that as, as he's getting used to that too. Mm-hmm. So, um so yeah so i think some of them kids are even shooting 50 grains are they yeah i I thought there was even less than less than 100 yeah 75 yard gun yeah yeah Yeah, pretty short distance so um very very lighter bullet you gotta get a lighter bullet yep um but yeah even if and and when they're really young i mean honestly 40 or 50 yards is probably all that you want to be shooting at anyhow so uh so I'll, i'll do some exploring on on what uh the options may be but uh again uh, I want to give him the opportunity at a young age and, you know, maybe he can get a, get a leg up on this and not be, you know, myself in your, your thirties trying to figure all this out and he can learn young. And then uh, another 10 years from now, he can be out there shooting all the deer and, you know, I'll just watch, I guess. So, yeah. um, that's what I'm excited for. So, uh, what do you got going on this weekend, Louie? Any plans for uh muzzleloader season? No, I, we've got, uh, Christmas parties all weekend, um, uh, so, and I'm working Sunday, so tomorrow afternoon uh, will be the only day I get to hunt. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Real, the real world. 
Wow. <laughs> you, know, you know, I got to hunt quite a bit this year. So that's the thing. You if know, I had a bunch of big deer running around, it, you I could would, probably squeeze I'd be, it in a little I'd bit. Be pretty, pretty butthurt over the whole, yeah, the whole yeah. deal. But, um, you know, I've got a couple coal bucks I'd like to kill still. Um, and actually, one of them showed up on camera yesterday, right up here. Yep. So tomorrow afternoon could be good. The pressure is supposed to be out of the off the charts tomorrow. I'll be honest with you. Thirty point five nine. Oh, or wow, something like that's that. up there. Yeah. So I I killed this deer six days ago. I haven't looked at the weather since. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's amazing. You you quit looking at the it's weather. Unbelievable. He, he's bucked out. He doesn't care. About no. The weather. I mean, yeah. you know, starting you know beginning of October. You know, we had a pretty cool October, and yep. there was some cold weather early on. So I started watching the weather hardcore. Yep first of october and all the way through every yep. day t- sometimes two three four five times a day and looking at that day and 10 days and you know you just kind of get obsessive with with what the weather forecast is and i could not tell you what the high is going to be tomorrow or what it was yep. today or you know next week uh, i should probably check just to make sure there's no crazy weather coming for the weekend yeah uh, to figure out what day i'm gonna take my boy out but the only thing i'm obsessing about right now is just I keep checking my cameras to make sure all these deer are still alive that are going to be good next year. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's got me excited because I've got you know, and, and I've got three or four nice, nice four-year-olds that are that are going to be. You know, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I was going through trail cam photos, a bunch of cameras I'd checked in Missouri. You know, rifle season, beginning of rifle season, end of rifle season, and they've been sitting there on my desktop sitting in the folders, haven't went through them. And uh, I start going through the pictures of the day. I had a little time, and I start flipping through them and sorting through, and, and there's a camera. There, Dad's got a, a bank spine in the middle of the woods. I know that may not be the most oper- or the best place to have one, but it's a hub right in the middle of the woods that literally the deer just come from any and all directions. And, I mean, your head's on a swivel all the time because you just never know where they're going to come from, where they're going. But there's a camera that's probably 75 yards due west of the blind and it's on a trail coming in the the trail that we've got to we can drive through the woods right there but dad comes in and he angles right to the blind there and opening morning of rifle season deer we call heavy that uh some some neighbors the farmers during new season a kid nicked him on the back uh made it through that looked like it was healing up good and then the day before rifle season neighbors to the south of us they hit him in the shoulder and then opening morning of rifle season, there he is at 75 yards, right by the blind. And I didn't – dad never said anything about it, but I was going through photos and looked at it. And So did you talk to Walt about this? I, I've asked him. I, I have. I mean, you know – Because I, I, I'm flipping through the pictures, and, I, and I'm, like, looking at this, and I'm like, man, sure that date's not right. Because that's – I mean, that's right by the blind. He had to see that. Hmm. But, you know, Walt, Walt's taking a few trips around the sun – um, but I think he, I think he still got his wits about him, uh, you know. I don't um, think there's any dementia or anything like that setting in yet. But I, nap I, time. Well, so he I, got, I accused him of that. I he, said, Dad, were you napping at seven twenty on in the morning of opening day rifle season? And I said, because the deer was right there. He's got, there's no way you had you could miss that thing, unless you were just. I mean, you know, how, you know how those blinds are, though. You're looking out these windows, yeah. and then all of a sudden you turn around and you look out that window, and there's a deer. You don't know where it came from. It's just there. Because you but, can't hear nothing. And, well, yeah. and, and he's got some some reading material in the blinds that, you know, <laughs> have some great articles in them, and he may have been buried into an article and uh, and sure. just, just missed it. Just 
Could have been drinking coffee or I, I don't know. It's playing on it. I bet he was on his phone. The, the deer I've been after all year that I really wanted to kill down there, either him, him and I, I didn't care who killed it. It, just, it was a deer that we had picture after picture after picture and just daylight photos all the time. And it was just to the point where it's like, we've got to catch up with this thing eventually. And then I go check cameras and I'm looking at these at the at the date stamp on that. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, and like. Opening morning of rifle season, there he is. If you'd have just, <laughs> if you'd have looked out that window of the northwest, you'd have seen him. And, and that just, th- we recorded a podcast at camp that night at Missouri Camp yeah. that night, and he'd and seen wa- twenty deer, twenty he, plus deer, twenty five deer. That he day. sat all day that day, and he wasn't planning on it, but he said the deer just kind of kept coming and coming, and um, maybe he had a deer out in front, and he didn't. That, that's why I can figure. I mean, the deer was looked like he was moving, but I, I, I hope he's still alive. Just because I know he was he was hit the day before in the shoulder and you could see the hit, mm. um, but but the neighbors said it literally snapped off the arrow snapped off at the at the insert, yeah. so they didn't get any penetration. But you could still see some dried some blood on that shoulder and you know so I, I don't know. I'm hopeful that he makes it. Hoping you know I hope tough, the tough. infection doesn't kill him or coyotes or anything else. But. You know, and, and talking about next year, I mean that is something I. I'm not overly concerned, but I have a little hesitation about what next year may look like on my farm. I mean, um, you know, we had uh, some outsiders that had come in and had access to the property for a while that that took off a couple younger deer. Uh, Then obviously I took the mule deer buck that is potentially a a younger deer uh, and then did harvest, you know, uh, a mature one. Uh, Ryan Kirby's dad, Roger, uh, got a nice, you know, four-year-old, I believe. Um, so we've had some we've had some deer taken off off the the section this year, uh, but there are still some running around. Um, and then you know every year you still never know. So yeah. um, I'm optimistic. I'll, I'll be uh, excited. But again, you know I, I got two at the taxidermist this year. Uh, I've got, got plenty year. of time. You know, and and again my standards are going to be a little bit different than what they were. Probably. And you've got a lot of you got a lot of days left to hunt squirrels. Yes, oh, and I am. I'm excited. And today, I haven't even had a chance to open it yet. Uh, my Stephen Ranella, the Meat Eater Cookbook, come yeah. in today. It was, you know, it was released a couple weeks ago, and I pre-ordered it. It come in. There's over 100 new recipes. Uh, there is a section on squirrel. Uh, I believe that the buffalo squirrel recipe is in there, and uh, I want to try that. So, and you know, I'm excited to get out there with you guys too, and just kind of. Well, making it an event. And what was the squirrel population like this year during bow season? Did you? Of course, I know you hunted out of a blind lot, but, but I, I but hunted more had, out of a stand than I than I did last year. A lot, lot um, of good certain areas. You know, there was there was pretty good pretty good squirrel numbers. Maybe we're gonna have so, a little, little squirrel. Competition. I'm intrigued by the squirrel dog. Yeah, from Kevin Murphy yeah. down. I mean, that's uh, a big thing down in the south, and you know they breed them things. They pay big money for them. Big money. Um, so. It is uh, Matt Rennell is just a wealth of knowledge, unbelievable. What just a good, what a good host of just a down TV to show earth and, and podcast. Um, you know, just a, a an everyday type of guy. Man. And he's one of those like bucket list podcast guests. He's I think awesome. you know to to get him on and good dude, Michigan dude. You know, born and raised, and um, so let's have him come down for a hunt. Yeah, yeah, very very good listening and um, you squirrel know. open. You know, and yeah. that I've talked about Doug Duran I mean, on you, the on you, the podcast before, and that's one of his guys that Doug had just sent him a letter at one time, and just said, "Hey, this is who I am," and you know, kind of liked your show, and you know, would like to invite you to come hunt here. And you know, obviously, Rennell was a little like, "All right," you know, there's a lot of weirdos out yeah, there. Yeah. He's this guy serious, and they just kind of started talking, and then took him up on the offer, and you know, here we are several years later, and you know, they're good friends, and cool. um, but. Uh, 
but yeah, his programming, you know, his podcast is awesome. You know, they're mostly two, two and a half hours long, but man, they're just so good to listen to. And they talk about so much stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with me or anything that I'll be doing, but I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Just, um, it's, it's good entertainment. So check out uh, all the meat eater stuff. And they've actually just, uh, undergone a large change, uh, where they brought in Mark Kenyon with wired to hunt and they've joined a, a bunch of other, um, companies into one, uh, called the meat eater Inc. Um, so uh, check them check them out. A lot of great content on there, you know, articles and podcasts and videos and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this cookbook uh, to go through some of the recipes in it. Talks about butchering, um, preparing the game, everything from um, beaver and turtle to you know moose and you know, elk and deer and just everything. So speaking of uh, preparing the game, Mike, we're going to be uh, doing some summer sausage here in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's so, my plan. Yeah, so that's the plan. <laughs> we're uh, going to head down to Missouri to uh, down to Turkey Camp, what I call Turkey yep. Camp anyway, but go down to Dad's place and uh, he's got all the Take all the, the right equipment. So, Louis, yeah. if you've got any stuffer uh, and the smoker, he's got it all all there. Um, so I've got uh, the mule deer buck that uh, Andy and I deboned the other day, and that's in the freezer. You got a doe in the freezer already. I'm going to try some uh, – I went on an antelope hunt earlier this year in October. So I've got uh, – Antelope we've bologna? Got, yeah, I think between Dad and I, we've got four antelope. Oh, wow. Nice. So I may try to do some of just that, just see what it's like and, and yep. do some uh, do some different flavors. We did it last year. and it, I mean, it's uh, – I, I will say that when you go to the locker and you take your meat in and you probably sit there and you look up at the price of what summer sausage or snack sticks or any of that stuff cost and – it is it's four four fifty a it, pound. It or is so. steep, but if you stop and and you and you take the time to do it and go through the process of grinding the meat and mixing the the stuff and putting the soy into it and cooking it and yeah, you stuff get a lot it, of time involved into that. And, and it is uh, mm. I I understand after doing it last year now of of why it costs what it does to get that stuff yeah, made. Yeah, custom a lot of time. custom butcher. Sure. So did you guys, I didn't even ask, did you guys just cook it in the oven or did you use the smoker? We didn't use the smoker. We just used an oven last really? year. I think we need to try using a smoker. Oh, I would like yeah. to do that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got yeah, an electric. The big logs or the. Yeah, the yeah. big. I've, and I've got an electric one. If, you know, your dad doesn't want to fire up the big one or if it's too much work to hold a, a temperature on it, I've got that electric one that I think would work probably just as well. Just uh, hang hang it from the top and yeah yeah. Louis uh, got it. you got a trigger. I do, but we actually use the electric smoker when we do deer bologna. Yeah, okay. I think when we hang get it from the smoke. top, you can get those. See, and I don't have those inserts, stack. but I need to get those, I guess, to to hang them. Well, you can just, just lay them on the just grates, rig something, or you can lay them on the grates if they'll but, fit. Yeah, you. And I think I we, wanted to try some do, one pound. Yeah, you're hanging them. Just so it's more uniform. Because if you lay them on a grate, then you almost have to flip them over every now and then just because the grate. Yeah. You get those lines in it. Right. We were hanging them from the top in one of those master-built smokers. And I think we just rigged some sort of hanging system. Not a big deal. Yeah. But, man, just excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, and I've never done it before. but uh, A lot of people just use liquid smoke. Right. And they stick them in the oven where – uh, it's, it's hard to beat a hard to beat a real nah, smoke. No. Yeah. no, it's never the same. Yeah. Uh, a lot yep. of your lockers do liquid smoke. Yep, yep. Yeah, but I, I think it's a, an integral part is to to get the smoke in there. You know, uh, again, yeah. a lot of people just use the oven, but uh, I'm hoping we can try to do some smoking. Um, you I'd know, like, I'd like to do a mixture. We did a few different flavors last year, and and probably my favorite, and I know I've probably said, I mean, the, the uh, Cahoka Locker 
Oh, yeah, that's where they, I have They've got some up. phenomenal deer summer sausage, in my opinion. Yep. But you can go in there, and if you just tell them how many pounds of meat you have, they will mix it all out and sell it to you. Don't ask what's in it because they're not going to tell you. Right. But they'll give you the seasoning for it to go home and make it yourself. Yeah, so um, they don't have to. They, yeah, they don't mess with it, and they just basically – I mean, I'm sure and, it's an upcharge in there for – In for 2015, I I took – well, I had that doe and that buck both, and I took all that meat down there essentially. I mean, a ton of meat and had snack sticks and sausage made up, and it was very good. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking to do some cheese, maybe some cheese and peppers and um, – Cheese, jalapenos, black pepper. Oh, man. It's yeah. good. Um, and I never got to try any of the stuff you guys made last year, but um, – I want to want to give it a shot, and and maybe when it's all said and done, you know, maybe next year I'll take it to a place and have it done. I don't know, but I'm hoping not. I mean, I think we can make it a oh, good fun day. And by, by far the easiest way to make summer sausage is just take it somewhere and write yeah, the check and be done. Yeah, two two but, or three hundred bucks, but yeah. it, it's it's costly. But I I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a you know was something down there I was able to do together. And yep, it was yeah. a process and learn. And if you, it's an all day deal. Yeah, it, it was not yeah. a – it wasn't a hurry up and do it in an hour. No, I mean, it was, uh-uh. It was – you grind it and mix it and put the soy in, and if you don't like doing dishes, you're not going to like doing summer sausage because – Yeah, oh, it's Now, the messy, one, the one thing I may try is uh, the new um, locker in Carthage, um, Farmhouse Meat Company, farmhouse I think it's meats. called. Yeah. Uh, you can have uh, bratwurst made up there. Yeah, deer bratwurst. Deer bratwurst. Sure. And I, I've always wanted to try that. I love bratwurst. But I just need to get a hold of them um, and see about, you know, bringing them deboned meat and what their, like, minimum order is. You know, mm-hmm. when I went to Cahoka, you had to have so many pounds of meat to do a certain flavor of sticks and yeah. a certain flavor of, you know, summer sausage. But I'd like to try to try to do some of their uh, bratwurst. Um, yeah. But uh, but we'll see. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to maybe take a doe this weekend if it all works out. If not, you know, Tyler, you know, maybe you can get out and get one shot here pretty pretty quick. Um, try to have what you know, eighty hundred pounds of meat. It's uh, what we're liable to have to I mean, do probably this. Probably time we get the antelope and Mike's deer and my deer and yeah. So, uh, but again, if you're going to do it, you know, do it once and uh, make the mess once and do the cleanup once. But uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, interesting to to see how it'll go. And and I like giving the stuff away. You know, that's that's part of the reason I like that kind of stuff. Is everyone seems yeah. to like summer sausage and stuff. Give, give so. a friend or give a. Maybe yeah. a landowner that helped yep, you yep. get onto a piece of property. Yep. So bring it, meat. bring it to a podcast. Yeah, bring it to a podcast and um, a little jerky, maybe. Nah, I don't do the jerky, but no. Uh, no. Okay. Um, so I got some some orthodonture work that has been done that doesn't uh, isn't very conducive to the, chewing on jerky. The one thing I've noticed with deer jerky, especially, is if we make it, you know, we put it in them little ziploc ziploc bags, and we take it out deer hunting or just take it to work right my jaws always are oh sore. boy <laughs> you can't just eat one piece of no, it either no. it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah <laughs> never fails you make a bag of it next thing you know a day or two later it's all it's gone. hard on your teeth yeah so but it's so good it is but uh no i'm excited to to get down to the the Selins, uh farm and and try some of this out you know i've never even attempted any of this so it'll be a learning experience for me uh, but uh, be good times with good people. So that's, again, that's part of this whole outdoors and hunting thing. I mean, it just continues on even to preparing the food, you know. So um, anything else you guys want to – What were we going to talk about this podcast? You know, and you guys were so worried <laughs> about that. And, you know, I said, let's just kind of roll with it. I wanted to talk about this this deer and 
the trials and tribulations of it. And it, it seems that you get the three of us together. We never run into problems of coming up short and not having enough things to talk about. I'm sure we would like to be a little more structured. But, again, I just talked about the, the Meat Eater podcast with Steve Ranella. And, you know, I think they have some things they'd like to hit on. But they do a lot of just kind of conversation, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a lot of conversating going on. Uh, but they do still hit on certain types of topics. But they may be all over the place. And uh, some of our episodes are going to be that way. Um, again, I still promise we will have episodes that will be topic-oriented and be pretty specific to one thing. Um, but we're not there yet. Right hey. now we're still kind of in that mood of hunting and still have some current events to talk about with – in the field experiences we've got some guests coming here soon we're hoping so yeah Yeah. hoping to have a couple guests come on and uh be some fresh voices uh to talk about uh all sorts of things habitat related and uh whitetail and uh hunting related so you know if you guys are uh and i'm trying to think about a guest that we talked about uh uh, tonight but uh a good topic might be uh some trapping yeah, trapping's huge. Yeah, uh, there's, there's especially one. this time of year. When does the small game season close? It's uh, February. It, it's in February. Okay. It January or February? And, no, tra- it's it's a month after deer season. It used to not be like like rabbit season. Used to be like January twenty second or something. Maybe mm-hmm. rabbit season still is, but squirrel season is in February. Okay. You're talking about but like raccoon. No, you're talking oh, about you're, trapping, not hunting. No, I'm talking about hunting, and we'll get to trapping. Raccoon is like. The same as couldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, but I don't. trapping closes January. Uh, it's not very long. Like, yeah, check your local um, digest for your here, game here rules and regulations. Um, don't take any advice from a podcast host <laughs> or co-host. No, we do um, not know. Yes, <laughs> disclaimer right um, there. But uh, yeah, that that information is readily available. And when we go to talk in that podcast, we will have those details available yeah. for our listeners. Um, so yeah, that's just another one of the things that we want to talk about uh, predators and you know the ways to uh, try to go about. Um, managing their numbers and you know what's effective what's not effective and and stuff like that so um some mapping scouting off-season scouting uh, via via maps um all sorts of things we're we're going to be talking about well i think we get you know when when we're managing a property and owning a property i think we get hung up on the deer and the turkey so much that we forget about controlling the predators and even the i don't know what you'd call a raccoon or a possum or something like that uh, you know, we need they're to predators. They're, I mean, they're, they're egg I mean, eaters. They're yeah. The possums and the raccoons. I never realized just how detrimental they can be to uh, you know a turkey flock um, yeah. with uh, the egg predation and um, you know and other animals will do that as well. You know, even um, hawks and stuff like that. I think but it's time we get a hold on the the raccoons. The raccoons are just they're unbelievable. Prevalent. You know, and I was talking to a, a, a the person that lives nearby me, and we got to talking about raccoons last night. And behind their house, I don't know when this was, you know, in recent memory, I believe, but they had uh, a lot of raccoons going on. So got a live trap and ended up trapping 92 coons um, from behind the house, you know, and it just, and said not (laughs) like babies, like full blown mature raccoons. So I can believe it. Yes. Their numbers are just 
some trapping, and it's just been it's unbelievable. Yeah, not many coon hunters anymore. No, you know, and and part of that is because of us deer hunters. Yeah. I'm not going to let a, yeah, a coon hunter and his true. dogs come running on my property. And I, in November, nothing, or December, nothing against yeah. them, you know. But yeah. you know, again, I have different objectives, um, yeah. and I will I will have to take different alternative routes to attempt to control the populations outside of you know hounds and stuff like that. So. Um, and that's something we're going to get into and get a hold of some guys that know what they're doing and uh, can give some great insight on that. And, you know, we'll learn something from it, and maybe we'll try to put that into practice on our farms going forward. So um, stick with us again. I know, you know, we say it all the time, but, uh, you know, we have great uh, ideas for this podcast, and here we are seven episodes in. Um, It's it's went by pretty quick. Um, We haven't run out of stuff to talk about quite yet. I'm sure maybe we're a little redundant on some things, but uh, we're enjoying it. We're hoping that you're enjoying listening to it. Uh, We could help uh, or use your help to spread the word, uh, share our Facebook page, share our post, uh, tell your friends about it, uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, Check out our YouTube page right now. All that is on it is our podcast, but we're hoping to – uh, be bringing some video content uh, in the future as well. So that's going to wrap it up for episode number seven of the Deerland podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.